In case you don't know, I am the son in whom he is well pleased. And those who didn't get the joke, I think I encourage you to read Bible. <laughs> so, uh, greetings to you all in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's indeed an honor for me to stand here with his word. And um, uh, uh, by the way, Jeff, it's actually 2020, not 2019. Um, I know the father figure, he's getting old. Um, so, uh, we forgive you. <laughs> Uh, but on that note, I would like to really thank Echo Lake family. Um, when we moved up here, uh, you know, most of our families are in Long Island, and um, you know, we just randomly picked the place in a way. Um, I know that God had a plan behind it, but we picked the house here. Uh, when we moved up here, I didn't know, know how our social life will be and who will be there to help and stuff like that. And I am really, really happy to have found Echo Lake um, as a family. Um, I'm, I really thank God for that. Uh, my mom used to say sometimes, your spiritual uh, relatives are sometimes a lot better than your blood relatives. And I remembered that today morning, you know, uh, when he said that uh, sometimes the spiritual brothers and sisters uh, tend to be the best blessing in your life. So I really thank you, God. And for today's meditation, we are going to turn our Bibles to uh, John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17. Or in today's world, I should say, browse your Bibles to 21, verse 15 to 17, book of John. So when they have eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, that is uh, Peter, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, that is Jesus, feed my lambs. He said to uh, him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, that is Simon, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, that is Jesus, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, that is Peter, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So in order to understand this passage, we have to take a little step back and understand in what setting this is happening. That day earlier, this, this, this is happening after Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected. And, you know, Jesus appears, you know, Jesus appeared to a lot of people and this is one of the instances. When Jesus is on the, the shore, and he's frying some fish, making some bread, right? He's making some breakfast. And the disciples who went on fishing the previous night could not find anything. And Jesus asked, hey, do you have something to eat? And they said, no, we haven't caught a thing in the night. And Jesus says, can you cast the net to the right side? And they were able to catch a lot of fish. And 
you know, that's the story. And then they come short, they know that it's Jesus. Now, in order to understand the intensity of the whole setting, we need to go further back. Israel was under the Roman rule. I hope everybody knew that. And they were waiting for a Messiah. For Israelites, that is Jews, they had hope. And their hope was a Messiah who would come and deliver them. And where does that hope come from? From the Old Testament. The prophets repeatedly, there was a lot of prophecies that there is a Messiah coming. Now their expectation of a Messiah was very different. They were expecting probably a military leader or somebody who is very powerful with authority, who is going to drive out Romans out of their land, who is going to establish the law, even enforce it further. They had a whole different picture of this Messiah. And then Jesus shows up. The law says, eye for an eye. Hand for an hand, right? And here is a man who is a Messiah who is saying, if somebody hits you on one cheek, show him the other. Totally out of their expectation. There is some spiritual mystery in that. I sometimes compare that to myself too. We pray, we earn, we desire for certain things in our life. And we create an expectation on how God needs to work in our life. Anybody able to relate to that? We have a set expectation. This is how God needs to work in my life. And when God does something totally different, you don't know what to do. You can't understand. You can't comprehend. Your actions is completely opposite of who you are. And that's somewhat happened with Israelites, right? They were expecting a Messiah, and what they get is Jesus. This is a guy who says, you know, if, if, I'm rephrasing it to modern language, right? If somebody takes your guitar, give him the pedals too, right? And, you know, so this is, the setting, and then he had disciples who followed him. Let's step into the shoes of these disciples, right? These, let's, let's look at Peter specifically, right? Peter and Andrew, both the brothers. They were a Messiah seeker even before they met Jesus, right? They were looking for Messiah. And when John the Baptist came, and you know, so they were hopeful. They knew there was a Messiah coming. They were seeking eagerly. And then they saw Jesus. And one fine day, Jesus walks up to them and says, Give up everything, right? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. You know what their job was? They were fishermen, right? Jesus asked them to leave their career behind, right? Their family behind, everything behind and follow him. And they did. They had an expectation of a Messiah and then they get Jesus. 
they try to adjust, okay, he's going to deliver us tomorrow, he's going to do something, right? They go through that whole process and they learn and they, you know, they, they you know, I'm thinking from the perspective of these people when Christ died. These people, that is the disciples, right? They had Jesus with them. They have learned a lot. They've seen a lot, right? Their hope was in Jesus. They, I do not know individually what they were thinking, right? But all of a sudden, the Messiah is taken away from them. He died. They gave up their families. They gave up their tradition and their culture. They probably made a lot of enemies among Jews. They gave up their career. They gave up everything to follow this Christ. And the Christ is no longer with them. Think about it. Something that you believe in. Something that you put your trust and hope in is taken away one day. What will be your situation? But on the other perspective, I think it through this way. They were the people who was with God. They were the people who have seen miracles of God. These are the people who experienced the miracle of God. In one instance, Jesus asked the disciples, what do you think people say who I am? Oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're prophet. You're... And then Jesus asked a question, who do you think I am? And who, who answers that question? Peter. You know what he said? You are the son of God. He got the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. And the guy who had the greatest revelation, right? The guy who know what Jesus is. Jesus of multiple times indicated his death. In spite of all these revelations and all that miracles he has seen, there's one side of Peter who's supposed to stay strong and lean on to God. There's one side, there's this Peter who doesn't know what to do. You know what Peter did? By the way, Peter, a.k.a. Simon. So when Jesus first met him, his name was Simon. That is his birth name. Jesus gave the name Peter surnamed him. So we have Simon Peter. That's what we call him usually. But the Peter name is given by Jesus, right? He took a Simon and made him into a Peter. And now, here is this Peter who lost whole hope, who doesn't know what to do. And he's like, Probably, this is not in the Bible, I'm thinking, I'm imagining, right? He's like, three, three and a half years wasted, man, I don't know, maybe this was all wrong? Maybe he wasn't the real, I don't know. So, you know what, I'm going to leave this aside, 
Okay, anybody wants to go fishing? I'm going back to fishing. And he goes right back into fishing. You know, sometimes we are like that. We have an expectation of how God needs to work. And when he doesn't work that way, we don't know what to do. And we go right back where God redeemed us from. Can anybody relate that? We right back becoming a Simon. God transformed us to into a Peter, but we sometimes choose to be Simon. And if you look carefully, right, Jesus used the name Simon here. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Everything in the Bible has meaning, right? It really made me think. He didn't say Peter, son of Jonah. He said Simon, son of Jonah. We all tend to go back to where we are when things doesn't go as we planned. Now, he goes fishing, and that's what we just read. Goes to fishing, can't find a thing, Jesus from the shore, do you have anything to eat? They go, we caught nothing. We worked hard all night. We couldn't find anything. He says, cast the net to the right side. And they get so much fish. And then soon the disciple realizes that this is Jesus. This is Jesus. The same Jesus that was crucified is here. Back again. And then this conversation is happening. Jesus asking Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Now this is where we have problem with English language. The word love, right? There is seven words for love in Greek in which the Bible was written, right? In English, we have only one word for love. I love popcorn, I love Jesus. I don't know what they will choose from when they have to choose one. Because I don't know what that defines, right? It's only the same word for that. In, there's, those, there's seven, I'm not getting into the seven words. I'm going to talk about the two words of love that is used in this passage. So, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me in the root language it's the word agape that is used. And when Simon answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The word phileo is used. Phileo, the word Philadelphia comes from the word phileo. The meaning of phileo is brotherly love, right? We all love each other. That's phileo. Agape love, that word agape has a lot more meaning, a lot more intensity to it. It has trust built into it. It has commitment built into it. It has sacrifice built into it. All these components goes into, it's a sacrificial love. That's why, you know, in the Christian community, we say God's love. That's agape is God's love. Because it, it has, it's a very serious type of love. It has a lot more meaning. 
So Jesus is asking, do you agape me? And Peter goes, I do phileo you. Understand this passage like Jesus asked him again. He's not confident. He's not confident what his love towards the master is. He's not sure about that commitment. He's not sure about the sacrifice he needs to make. Jesus asked him the third time. And the Bible says, And he said, yeah, Peter was grieved. He was grieved. He probably remembered when Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he did deny him three times. And here Jesus asking him three times the same question. Do you agape me? And all he could say is, you know all things. What I want to drive you into is the relational aspect of things, the love aspect of things. I have a son, most of you know. I have two daughters, right? I love them. When I say I love them, I enjoy being with them. I enjoy everything that they do. They destroy my house. They newly painted wall. They go ahead and draw it on the cry- with crayons. They're not doing anything useful, right? But I love them. They make a mess. I clean up. I clean them. In every aspect, he comes and says, Daddy, Daddy, is, he brings me joy. I love them. I enjoy the relationship. The other way to look at it is, it's as a father, it's my responsibility to take care of them. My heart doesn't need to be in the right place, right? Okay, it's a burden. I'm gonna, I have to take care of these kids because I have to take care of them. You see where I'm going with this? I treasure them. That love is above everything else. Right? The relationships you are in, if you're not enjoying, right? If you're not truly in it, then it becomes responsibility. And you're doing it because you have to do it. And that's not love. That's where the distinction is coming in here between agape and phileo. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Right? Sometimes we are like, especially between spouses, right? Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The problem with loving is, it depends on what you treasure. 
If you treasure the relationship with your spouse, you will enjoy that relationship. It doesn't become a responsibility that you need to follow. When you love your children, right? When you treasure them, it becomes something that is enjoyable. It's no longer you have to do, you're doing it because you have to do it. I think today we have to go treasure hunting. We have to see what are the treasures we have in our life. What we are really treasuring in our life. Because where the treasure is, there is your heart. And that's what you love. So, sometimes, see, if you, if you treasure, right, serving God in the church, right, if you really treasure it, you will do it. You'll do wholeheartedly. You'll be invested in it, right? On that note, I want to take you guys to... First John chapter five, verse three. For this is love of God and we keep his, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In our morning, this was, I believe, yesterday, yeah, yesterday's morning family prayer. Uh, we, we were in the book of John and we were going through and it really struck me. And I'm like, wait, this is so much tied to my message. The problem is sometimes we treat it as a responsibility and then eventually it becomes burden. That's when you know where your treasure is and where what your love is. Doing God's work, right? If you feel burdened, right? If, if, we, our heart is in the right place and we really love God. Jeff wouldn't be here standing here and asking for volunteers every Sunday. I'm not trying to put you guys down or anything. Think about it, right? If our heart is in the right place, Jeff will not be making announcement every Sunday for volunteers because you will be enjoying what you do your treasure will be to serve God in any way possible. On the other hand, if your problem is you think you're not qualified to serve in the church, then we have a problem. Then we have a problem because I want to tell you something. Show me one person in the Bible who was qualified to serve God. Show me one person who was pre-qualified to serve God. Anybody? Moses. He led Israelites. Anger issue. Murdered someone. And cannot talk. Great qualification. David. He was anointed as the king of Israel. Who was he? A shepherd. I know we don't have a lot of shepherds today, so we don't get to know them. Do not think they were rocket signs and like very prestigious group of people in that society. No. 
Paul, what was his qualification? He thought he was doing a great service by God by persecuting Christians, murdering them. Show me one person in the Bible who was qualified to do God's work. Nobody. God is not looking at your ability. He's looking at your availability. Is your heart in the right place? Do you have the love for Jesus? Do you have the relationship with Christ that you would step out and say, God, here I am, use me. What qualification do I have to stand here and preach today? Nothing, nothing. God will use. First Corinthians chapter 23 verse, uh, sorry, 10 verse 23. Uh, sorry, not that one. Um, God uses the weak to put to shame the strong. I'm rephrasing, that's not the exact verse. And he uses the foolish things of this world to make full of wise. He uses who goes to him and says, Lord, use me. He picks and chooses the things that is not most prominent or the best things of the world. Every character you take from the Bible, Thomas, the disciple of Christ, what was his qualification? He was a tax collector, the most hated group of people in that society. The question is, where is our heart? Do we love Jesus? Is our love agape? Think, are we enjoying every day in his presence? Are we praying because it's a, it's a burdensome, because his commandments is a burdensome to us? I've heard a lot of Christians say this. It's so tough to be Christian. It's so hard to serve God. It's so hard to do this. And, you know, it's so hard to stay holy. Then I looked at some of the spiritual leaders and some of the people that I admire. It comes very easy to them. Now I'm able to relate that to this verse. My commandments are not burdensome. If it is a burden to you to follow Christ and do his will, that means you're not enjoying that relationship. You're not treasuring him. If you treasure him and you enjoy that relationship, it's gonna be much easier. It's the other way around. It'll be so hard for you to sin. It'll be so, I'm not saying you'll be free of sin. We still humans, we still have a human nature. But we have something much more greater and powerful. That's the Holy Spirit to guide every moment of our life. We can have the communion. 
Last week, Tim spoke, right? Abba, Father. It's a very powerful word. Like we can go to the living God and say, Abba. Like a child goes to the father and have that intimate relationship. God's commandment is not burdensome. What Bible says, if he says do this, if it is burdensome, again I'm telling you, it's time to reevaluate our relationships. It's just not a relationship with God in every aspect of our life, especially with God. Today we're going to do something different. When I initially started, I said, let's meditate upon the word. Can we all close our eyes? Can we all close our eyes, bow our head? Imagine Jesus coming to you today and asking you this question. Do you love me? The first time, probably you would say yes. Suppose it's the third time. Jesus already knows. He's an omniscient God. It's time to reevaluate where we are in our life and our walk with God. Do we have a love that is sacrificial, that is committed, that you trust Him above everything else, trust Him above your problems, trust Him above the challenges, trust Him above everything that is going through? Can you sacrifice certain habits of yours so that God can be glorified? Are you willing to give up certain things in your life? Jesus is asking, do you really enjoy being in a relationship with me? Or you're doing all you that you're doing is our sense of responsibility Again, Jesus is standing at the door and asking the question, do you love me? It's time to ask yourself where my treasures are, what my treasures are. And if loving God is a burden to you, 